Welcome to Revival in Jesus Way. Revival can happen now when you follow the way of the Master in all aspects, making disciples in His way, reasoning for truth in His way, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as He did. We encourage you to dream big for God's kingdom. I'm your host, Tim Cahoe. And I am Ying Yan Xu. You're listening to episode 21, Foundation Series number 10, God's Core Theme. Only God can judge. So how will God judge you and me? So we're about halfway through this series on、uh, Christian foundations.、Um, we've talked recently about God's nature and what God is like, and then what God is doing in the world. And then one of the big parts of that. Actually, that kind of deserves its own talk is this topic of judgment or how God will judge in the end or on what's called the day of the Lord. Now, one interesting thing about judgment in general, although there's kind of a tendency to not talk about judgment in our society today, there's this longing people have just naturally、um, in kind of every place for judgment and, and judgment happening. One Example that comes to mind is actually the example of、uh, when I read about how Buddhism actually got started in China. You know, it started in India, really. But then in China, it really couldn't take root until they developed a kind of comprehensive view about the judgment for specific actions. And then people really started to catch on and really willing to kind of take on this. Um, religion, religion, and Buddhism, and Buddhism had this effect of that it's willing to kind of just shape itself to the society it's in. But I thought that was interesting that whenever it got judgment was included in it was when people really saw it as something like that had some vitality or realness、mm-hmm. to it.、Mm-hmm. So what we try to want to say is that. The topic of judgment is not like all human beings just not interested, and God is interested in it, and He tried to force you infuse this topic into our daily life. But it's actually encoded uh, in our um, uh, when when we are created.、Mm. So it's not an all gloomy topic because we we want to invite you to imagine a world without just the judgment. So that's that's think about like,、um, even even a little kid. We don't need to teach a little kid like, hey, when this and that happen, just shout. It's not fair. Oftentimes they just we don't know where that person、uh, that little kid pick up that word and just say it's not fair. He get more candy,、mm-hmm. you know. Or he cut him in line. Yeah. So things like that, and also、um, imagine a movie. That、um, say、uh, in a movie we always have good people and bad people, right? And then nobody would want to see a movie like eventually Superman was killed by Batman, and that's the end of the story. And also those、uh, bad people, those monsters, they live a happy life ever after.、Mm. Um, and and any bad guy like human trafficker.、Um, Those parents,、uh, those parents,、uh, eventually were suffering, and the missing kids、um, did not get found. And then those bad people、uh, even court and 
Um, judges, policemen cannot catch them. Eventually, they live a happy afterlife, and that shows like the longing in people's heart. Like in in a normal situation, there should be something after that to catch that. Eventually, bad people, bad behavior should be punished, and good should be rewarded. Yeah, that's right. Or when people hear about someone like Hitler or someone in history, people a lot of times the shocking, the lasting shocking effect people have on that is they just wonder how can this person go without judgment? You know, how、mm-hmm. can they go without having to pay for all that they did? Like it's not just that the situation is righted. People see that there should be some kind of some that being dealt with that this evil thing was done by that person. Mm-hmm. It's just too many examples. Just like you know, Snow White get poisoned, and that's the end of the story.、Mm-hmm. You know, like no kids would want to watch it, include adults.、Mm-hmm. Song seventy three, three to five.、Um, the psalmist has the same、uh, ha- had the same complaint actually, because he envied those who who are rich, who who are arrogant, and but who whose way is wicked. And they have no struggle. Their bodies are healthy and strong. That's、um, Psalm seventy three, three to five,、uh, and also we、uh, scroll down and look at、uh, verse twenty three to twenty seven.、Uh, after all his struggle, because he complained like God, why don't you punish wicked people, and why we righteous people have such a struggling life? And then in the but in the end, he repented and he said. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth and and earth has nothing I desire besides you.、Mm-hmm. And then、uh, verse twenty-seven says, "Those who are far from you will perish." So see, that's the part of the judgment. Like, hey, even though they. Do bad things, and they have maybe they have a mostly smooth life, but in the end, there is something catch that、mm. the 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 bad wouldn't go unpunished, even though it might be unpunished by the government.、Um, and it says you destroy all who are unfaithful to you.、Mm, yeah, I'm actually reminded too of there's a movie quote、um, from the movie Wyatt Earp, or it's a tombstone, and it's Doc Holliday talking to Wyatt Earp. And Doc Holliday was this sickly guy, and he kind of you kind of rode the line in the middle. You know, sometimes he would、uh, you know kill people very quickly or something. Like in those days, like they had a lot of those shoot. You know, you had to people had to like shoot at each other and things like that to survive. You know, in those cowboy movies. And then Wyatt Earp is kind of this good sheriff, and he said, you know, whenever I met you, you're one of the few people that really gives me hope. And、um, that's something I think Ken Sample shared recently. But it reminds me of that kind of thing. Like p- people have this hope, this desire for righteousness in this world. That righteousness will really be fulfilled in this world. You know, both in terms of the evil will be judged, and that there's real good. You know, like it's like this strong thing we hold on to. Like that the good, that really goodness will prevail in the end. You know,、mm-hmm. that we almost can't live without it. Like it brings us to hopelessness. If the goodness, if righteousness doesn't prevail, and that tells us something, but it also tells us why this topic of judgment. I think, like you said, and it's not just like a gloomy topic, but it's actually central to our lives. Understanding it really is 
it's like a, a central part of our desire of a need in us for righteousness to prevail in the end. Mm -hmm. And essential to gospel, essential to the message in Bible. Um, but in another way, so we talk about like people naturally incline in people's heart. Um, people have the sense of judgment and the necessity of judgment. But then um, uh, because because of people's sinful nature, uh, after people fall, it's very complicated. People, in another way, try to uh, resist. Mm. They have, in another, in another sense, most of people resist the topic of judgment, um, the principles of of judgment. Um, you can uh, just just from the um, what's that? What usually preached in church, uh, you can see that how. Um, judgment held those topics are not that um, preached. Mm, and, yeah, it's and a even, special, special topic maybe from time to time, but yeah. not the normal subject. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so people do resist that. We can, when we share gospel, we always hear um, people say, well, only God can judge. Uh, well, this is in, this is in God's hand when we talk about like sin, um, uh, those things. But what people really mean when people say that only God can judge. So I think it, it oftentimes um, in the middle of the conversation, when people say that, um, it's about like, um, uh, you cannot judge me. Uh, no, nobody know God's standard. Um, so, uh, but, but definitely when God judge, God's uh, standard mu must be much lower or looser than, than yours. So actually, Eventually, I can live my life however I want. Mm. Uh, oftentimes, that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's kind of like there's this appeal to don't judge me. You know, you know, God's going to judge me one day. You know, you aren't. I don't have to listen to your judgment. You know, th there's this other effect. You know, like I'm thinking of like in with Tupac. You know, he quotes that's actually a song he did. Like only God can judge me. And there's actually it's pretty prevalent people using this in memes and things like that. And like, um, I think it's, there's this big idea, like you said, that, oh, God will be much nicer. He's like this nice grandfather that's going to let you go by. He's going to say, oh, your life was so hard. It doesn't matter that you stole, killed, you know, or, or you use your anger in an evil way. It doesn't matter that you did all these things. It doesn't matter that you rejected me. Like God is his grandfather who's just going to let things pass. Um, and so, yeah, there is that side of where people really want to say, oh, well, yeah, God should judge. There should be a real judgment. But for me, I kind of want to slide. You know, I should be allowed to slide based on the situations in my life, based on mm -hmm. this. Yeah, but think about if um, if Peter, Paul, and John, those apostles, if they say this, um, what would that mean? Is is that it's the opposite? Like, okay, the the those people persecute them, they can judge them. Those um, uh, Pharisees government. Jews, uh, Roman soldiers, um, you can have your judgment, but only God can judge me. Mm. And I know on that day I will pass the, the judgment I, because I live a victorious Christian life. Mm. You know, that, that would be the opposite. But when we talk about this, when modern people say this, um, it's completely the opposite meaning. Yeah, it's actually a fearful thing that only God can judge, that in the end, the judge will be God, who will judge completely according to the right standard. He'll he'll judge everything. I mean, yeah, it, it really should give us that feeling of awe, but mm -hmm. it's not. And then, you know, why not? 
And Ecclesiastes 11:9 talks about young people. It's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So today, let's、um, jump into the full topic of judgment.、Mm-hmm. First, what is the purpose for us to study this topic? Now we gave、um, two big reasons. The first one is judgment is the gospel. So if you preach gospel to someone, if you left out the topic of judgment, your gospel message is not complete. So that's uh, uh, let's recall Adam and Eve's、um, story. That actually, what's what get really wrong? In their action, why they finally made that awful decision?、Um, it's not like they don't, they didn't know God's existence. Surely they know God's existence.、Mm. Surely they know God loves them. But it's the fear of God, their fear of God, their clear,、um, the fear of God and God's standard、um, is not as big as maybe their curiosity or their. Whatever kind of a drive to make that decision, because God clearly told in the word that on the day you eat from that tree, you will surely die.、Mm-hmm. So the sentence is loud and clear, right?、Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And whenever Paul、um, shared the gospel with Felix, actually,、um, the quote that we have in Acts is that he preached about righteousness and self control and the judgment to come. Actually. That that was his his talk that he had with、um, Felix, and that's、uh, Acts chapter twenty four verse twenty five.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then Felix got scared. He said, "You know, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find the time that's convenient, I will send for you." But that was central to Paul's gospel that he preached was, and you can see this too in his letters that he references this. He says, "Just as I told you, you know, this judgment that's to come." You know that Paul. It was connected in with the message of that Jesus Christ has come into the world, that God has sent His Messiah, and that God one day is going to judge the world according to、um, His His righteous standard. Like that was central with the gospel. It communicated the you know the the、um, the gospel couldn't really have the pungency, the the point that it has without this idea that righteousness will win through. God is working a plan of righteousness that Jesus Christ is the central part of, and that God will bring this judgment to the world. And because God will bring this judgment to the world, we need to flee in the day to come. We need to repent and turn away, and turn to Christ. See, that's what I talk about.、Uh, Paul preached、uh, righteousness, self-control, and judgment.、Mm. Um, Not only this is essential to the gospel, but might it might be very situational to Felix.、Mm. If he has, if he really have the fear of God, if he really know the severity of God's judgment, God's righteousness, he wouldn't dare to、uh, want to collect the bribe from Paul.、Mm. And since he collect the bribe, he expect the bribe from Paul. He must collect many bribe from. Many different people,、mm. and he 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 doesn't have that self control. Just like Adam and Eve, if they really remember, really know 
the fear of God, that God really said that, then they wouldn't make that decision. And to us now, so so that's very essential to gospel. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and this uh, other aspect, which is kind of in line with the part of the gospel, is the hope actually of judgment. And this is part of what Paul talks to the Thessalonians about to encourage them about people who are dying, people who in their community are dying because of persecution and those things, and they're they're kind of losing hope. And Paul reminds them actually that God is working to fulfill and create a good world, that God has a plan that one day he will restore those who in have who have died in faith. And also he makes a point to say that those who are persecuting you, those who are doing evil in this world, there will be a judgment. There will be an end to this. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just all this meaningless, hopeful, you know, there's not all this meaninglessness and just pain for no reason. They but he's die saying, for nothing. Yeah, he they will and God will um actually see through even those who did the evil things to them. So that they wouldn't, they wouldn't go away without a punishment. Mm-hmm. And the second big, big reason is fear is necessary for a normal, godly Christian life. Fear actually is a is a really a normal function God gave to human being. It's like pain, like fear. It's something built into, um, you know, so that, for example, pain, like so that you wouldn't uh, use your head to hit the ground. Because it's painful, right? So fear is the thing that you have the fear of God. You know his standard. So you wouldn't want to violate it. And that brings life. So fear is uh, the good fear. The fear of God is really a good thing. It's a gift from God. It's a basic function God gave to functional human being for survival. Mm, Yeah, and it's key to really thinking rightly is that we have fear of things that are not good. You know, uh, if we have a, a fear of, you know, fire, for instance, whenever we're a kid. And so we know how to handle it properly because we have the right fear of it, right? We Fear is a, something that helps us in life. And I think a great tragedy in, in the Christian faith nowadays is a lot of times we shy away from those more quote unquote negative emotions to our detriment mm-hmm. because they're kind of tools in our toolkit but when we refuse them, we no longer have that tool. There isn't anything else to go in place of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and once someone share about, oh, I have fear about something. Well, there are unreasonable fears, mm-hmm. right? The bad fears. But then oftentimes it's like, once you hear the word fear, wow, it's a negative word. That's immediately, let's fix it. <laughs> let's immediately pray away. Fear. Mm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And just to describe that, uh, this principle out a little bit, um, it, it whenever Jesus talks about love for him, for instance, he says, "If you love me, you will obey my commandments." Um, and this is this is a, a topic that we see again and again throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that obedience is connected to true love for God. Um, but if we are not really obeying um, God's commands, then there's still room for this fear. You know that. In verse John, John says that, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. Um, but that perfect love is something that is coming. It's something that we're developing into this full obedience and really walking with God in a thorough way. So if obedience is equal to really good love towards God and we're, we're not fully obeying God, 
then we know that fear still has some place, actually. Fear of the judgment, fear of not doing something that will be judged by God later on, it has its place until really our obedience is truly from the heart. Fear is kind of this guide in a way. Mm -hmm. It guides us into true love. Because until, it's just like with a kid, you, you train them through fear, through showing them actually there's a consequence for doing those things. But your ultimate goal is that they won't do those things because those things are bad for them. Actually, really, they live a full life. They get a good job. They live happily with a family one day. Those things are all very good for them. But a lot of times we teach them through using fear, through using punishment and things to drive them into a sort of way of living that is really full. And that's, I think that's what uh, John means when he talks about perfect love casts out all fear. Once you're there, you don't need to have those punishments associated anymore because you you will walk in that way. You, you'll know the goodness of it. Mm -hmm. But as so long as perfect, we're not... Perfect surrender bring perfect love. Per yeah. Perfect surrender matches with perfect love. Um, just like the example, like uh, financial management. Um. When, when, when you more have a disobedient heart, it's good that you have the fear that hey, if I um, it, it you only have a certain amount of a uh, income, so if I buy this expensive clothes, hey, you would be hungry towards the end of the month. You know that's a healthy fear. That's something you can uh, estimate. So I'm I'm afraid to be hungry. So I would give up my plan, try to buy this expensive clothes that I would choose to spend money um, wisely. In a, if you don't have that much income, spend your money in a frugal way, mm. right? But then nowadays, like um, our mind and our heart really trained to like those good and wise principles. I don't need to have that fear to drive me to manage my money well. Um, I, I'm more just one, it become a habit. The other thing is just uh, for the love of wisdom, uh, drive me to manage my money well. Mm -hmm. But then that's the, the fear is the bottom line catch me because I graduate from the, um, uh, what what's that? The basic uh, elementary level. So I don't need that kind of thing to scare me. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, now, I want to talk to something that is related, and I think it will really help in understanding the whole biblical picture of judgment, and that's the, this relationship we see between sin and death throughout the Bible. So I'm going to highlight some themes. Um, so in, in the very, in Genesis 1, it, got, it says that God, through his Holy Spirit, breathed into man, and that was life. So life is this is really from the very start it's connected to God. It's it has its direct connection through the Holy Spirit breathed out into the body, an empty body of man, and then there is a spirit in that man, and there's life in that man. Um, and then God tells the Adam and Eve in the garden, He says, "If you eat from this tree, you shall surely die." And but one thing we know, and Satan kind of uses this to his advantage, is there's this idea of physical death and there's this idea of spiritual death. Uh, well, when Adam and Eve ate the apple, they were cut off from God. Their trust relationship with God was literally cut off. That, that center of life, the Holy Spirit being breathed into their bodies, and this connection they had with God walking with Him in the garden, 
it from that very moment they ate of the apple, they made that choice. Actually, they were cut off from this life with God, from this connection of living with their creator, of, of having the full sort of life where they could really understand, walk with him, learn the meaning of really being a human being. They were cut off from all those purposes and the fullness of life was like no longer available to them because the God who created them was no longer really available to them. We see this um, in the Old Testament um, through, uh, you read, especially in Leviticus, there's this uh, clean, unclean, pure, impure, holy, unholy um, sort of connection. So as people are, there's these different, whether it's disease and things like that, or sin, evil things, that can make someone impure or unclean, whether it's sin or whether it's like a disease kind of thing. And people are more separate. So there's these three kind of areas. There's outside the camp, there's inside the camp, which is with the regular people, and there's inside the temple. Inside the temple, the, the priests there weren't even allowed to have disabilities and things like that. The outside layer, people could, but some worse ones like leprosy and things like that would separate you even further. Or there are certain evil things people could do. They had to be outside the gate and they were unclean. They were considered not holy and not able to be closer to where God was. And there's this picture of kind of this life of being close to God and this separation that comes through sin and through death and through um, this this uh, kind of not connectedness to God. You know, it's connected both to disease and also to sin. And it's this picture of death. And now you're more and more separate from the source of life. Um, it also led into the misunderstanding that many people know of Jews in Jesus's day, where they saw poor people or disabled people as sinful, more sinful, more disconnected from God. And it was a misunderstanding of this purpose, because what God is trying to show is that in his kingdom, his kingdom is being holy and whole. It, it's, he's trying to show there's a problem with people. There's a problem with people who are so separated from him. And it, in nearness to God means this fullness of life. And why do we have this sickness? Why do we have this disease? Why do we have this sin? We need to really push for an answer to this question and see our own kind of wickedness, our own the death in us. Because that's what sin is. Whenever we're trying to do things our own way, really leaving behind righteousness, do things through our, a lack of integrity or just being away from God. It's a kind of death. And God tries to point to that and show us that actually the more you go in your own way and you don't go in God's way, you don't walk according to righteousness, the more dead you are, the more and more you have less of a connection to real life. It's And you can see this too in people maybe like who have committed adultery throughout their life or things like that. You, When you get older and you meet people who have kind of lived these messed up lives in some ways, you can feel almost this disconnectedness of that person. You know, they just aren't really connected in life. You know, there's this sadness in them and you can't quite put your finger on it. But this is what the Bible is talking about. Mm-hmm. And then it says when Jesus was sent, he was sent to set the captives free. And in Isaiah, it talks about death, disease, and sin are all the things that he came to set us free from. And so there's this picture of being with God, being set free by Jesus, is really getting to be in direct relationship with God and connected to life. Now, how is this connected to judgment? Why do I talk about this? Well, because as we do evil things, the natu- the natural consequence in this world is you're going more and more into death. 
it's more and more into separation from God. And that's why you have this separation, death, punishment, this, this kind of trifecta that comes in judgment are all connected because we have made our choices. We're, we're continually walking in a direction when we walk in sin, when we walk in separation from God into a life of death, into a life that eventually will be completely separated from God. And so um, that, that's where this, this kind of, this picture I think is very important for us to see when we think about what is God's judgment? What is God doing when he judges sin? So the relationship between uh, sin and death, uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Oftentimes in our uh, evangelistic conversation, that's the first we must explain. We must explain what is the relationship between sin mm-hmm. and death. Because oftentimes people fall like, okay, sin, for example, sin, uh, lie, okay, um, steal, uh, those things are really that bad that cause death. Um, so like what Tim said is like, um, we see that, um, if there is a spectrum that one end is God and holiness and righteousness, and God is the author of life. And then sin is the part we reject God. So there is a difference. Like someone is a bigger sinner. Someone is not as a big sinner. Some sin is more serious. Some sin is less serious that's right but no matter what like um, uh, whenever sin happened is to reject God is that part reject God when you lie it's your mouth your heart your heart plot the lie right your mouth speak the lie so it's your mouth and your heart that mm. heart reject God's ruling mm. then if God doesn't rule then that's rule mm. so if we see it's a spectrum it's like we go further and further away from God because each sin is like, God, no, God, leave me, God, no. So it's like that. So we, whenever we go to the other direction, it's death. Mm. When we connect to God, that's life because God is the author of life. It's all the purpose, all the meaning, and all the light. So, so when you sin, when you reject God's death, when you towards the death direction, your life has less and less meaning, doesn't have meaning, doesn't have life, doesn't have light. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So um, let's talk specifically about what God's judgment is like. And just to, to summarize what we'll talk about here, um, God judges every deed, every thought and every person and every nation, actually, even on the, a broader scale that they'll be judged. Um, and uh, we had talked the other day, but like thinking about every thought, like even like your social media posts, like think about mm-hmm. that. Like even like if that being laid out, you know, on judgment day, your thoughts, and then also like every post you made on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram being displayed out. Um, you know, that's a scary thing. Um, but that's... Yeah, guys- I must comment on that because... Um- um, actually, I mentioned that several times when we tried to write this this uh, episode because um, isn't that people are so fearless when they comment crazy things and attack people that talk about things they don't even know online? Mm. Don't you know, like even those you can hide your name there, you put there is recorded mm. in your book and it will be all laid out on the judgment day. Like I just because I can... 
it, it's clearly we can see like if someone talked to you face to face, many words they wouldn't say. That's but right. if they can uh, anonymously comment something, wow, those ugly things come out. People can be very harsh. Yeah, and this like, is actually something that comes out in studies and also some um, recent uh, documentaries have covered this topic about the anonymity being anonymous of social media causes people to be more cruel to each other on those platforms. And really, I think people really should have a healthy fear when they're on social media that even though the person who you're talking to might not know your name, God knows your name, and God knows that that post is associated with you. I think that's a powerful concept. Mm -hmm. um, but point number two is that God's judgment is fair. So it's every person, every deed, every nation will be judged, every thought will be judged, and his judgment is fair. It's not partial, and it's to the extent of what a person knows. That God doesn't just hold everyone, kind of have a standard that doesn't really think about what people are really like in their lives, but he really judges based on the intent of the heart, really based on really looking at people's deeds, really impartial. It doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're rich, what happened to you. If you did evil, you will be judged for that evil thing. Um, and also God knows your situation. Mm. So so on the judgment day, really people don't need to say, oh, but but you, you, you don't know what I'm being through. Yeah, exactly. You God know? is the only <laughs> judge that actually doesn't need you to give a defense for yourself because he already knows you better than you know yourself. He remembers better than you remember a lot of times. He will be able to completely understand your side of it and understand how you did have a choice. So um, the first point is every deed and every thought and every person will be judged. And number two is God's um, judgment is fair, mm, not partial. Yep. And to the ex extent of what people know. Uh, number three is we want to talk about the justification and sanctification in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, number four is um, Christians are called to choose to do good, not evil. And then number five, we want to talk a little bit about um, how believers be judged. Mm -hmm, that's right. Okay. So let's jump jump in. A full in. study can be um, a full Bible study can uh, a series of Bible study can be developed from today's talk. Yeah, it can. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll cover the the broad basis of these topics so that you can have a, a good grasp of what God's judgment is like. So first, God's judgment is every deed, every person will be judged. Um, and every nation, Jeremiah 25, 13, 14, for instance, God says um, to Jeremiah, I will bring upon the land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in the book which Jeremiah has prophesied against the nations. For many nations and great kings will make slaves of them, even them, and I will re recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. So here God says, well, through Jeremiah, and he talks to the nations and he says that I'm going to I'm going to do these things to the nations, which he talks about in the rest of the chapter, in the next few chapters. And he says, I'm going to judge the nations for their deeds. So the things that national entities do will be judged. Um, and also this, I think, gives us a good um, segue into being a good citizen. We really have a responsibility, whatever kind of government we're under to uh, have a say to the extent we can have a say, to promote righteousness. Actually, we have this responsibility to be a good citizen in our country and to really serve well 
in a way and serve well in our jobs and things like that and really promote goodness, not just follow you know, blindly whatever is said, but really walk according to God's standard and integrity. Um, and this, that this is, that God is going to judge the nations that, you know, the, what your rulers, the decisions they made, whether it's about wars or whatever it's about, God is going to judge them for that. And he's also going to look at the people of the nation and he, there will be a judgment based on, did you behave righteously in the context of what your country was doing? Mm-hmm. Like, did Just you really? like uh, DJ Bonhoeffer. He was called the conscience of German. Mm. It was really in a uh, dark time when everybody, even many his, uh, 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 what's that? His uh, those other pastor maybe uh, wouldn't share the same opinion, but he really um, stood to God's righteousness and right. he broadcast God's uh, message through radio. Right. Yeah, that's right. And and we have a responsibility, actually, for standing up in that same way. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer risked his life to stand up to Hitler. Um, and if we if there's evil in our nation, we have a responsibility before God that kind of no matter what the consequence might be to us to speak up for what's right. And sometimes the, it even means the consequence might just be your career or even just people look down upon you. But especially depending on your role, you know, are you in the military? You know, are you in the government? Or even Dieter Bonhoeffer was just a citizen. He was a pastor, but he spoke out against it with the place that he had in the position God had given him. He used that to actually also speak to his nation in a way that was godly and good and according to right principles in front of God. We also don't have the right to just blatantly like blast our leaders every time, but we have to do it according to biblical principles. But the Bible actually gives very clear and good principles if we take the time to understand it about how we should respect the government, but also how we should um, speak up when there are evil things and what avenues can we do that and how can we do that and at what time do we have to resist in some ways. So really, this topic is, is important in judgment, that God is going to judge the nations. Um, mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 talks about God, how God judges um, every, each thing, each thought. It says, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So not only the deeds, not only the actions, but also every secret thing, everything we thought we hid well enough from other people. God is going to pull that out and 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 judge it and say this is also liable to the judgment on judgment day. Mm-hmm. But the things if you repent, God wouldn't. Yeah, you sincerely repent. <laughs> and yeah, this is the the thing. Um, if where we can talk a little bit about what repentance in Christ too is. We, if we really repent, if we recognize the evil, what Christ has done is He's paid the penalty for our sins. When we bring that thing before God and we put it in a way under Christ's blood. We say what we accept that what Jesus did is sufficient, even for our worst deeds. Um, God is will will let Christ have paid for that sin that we can be um, spared from the judgment from it because Christ died a horrible death to pay for the evil things, the, the sins, even the secret sins that we've done. So even those secret sins can be covered by Christ's blood, but they have to come out in the open through repentance. Um, Romans 12, 2, 6 says, um, he will render to each one according to his works, their deeds. Uh, Romans 2, 16, a little bit later says, on that day, which is the day of the Lord, the judgment day, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So here we see this topic again. 
God stand, standing in front of men and, and judging each one according to their secrets, according to the things that they thought were hidden. They thought other people wouldn't know about. They thought they covered them enough. God is going to judge those things. Like Anne said, unless we have repented and those things have been covered by the blood of Jesus, on that day, those things will be judged. Um, mm-hmm. Psalm forty four twenty one. God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. Mm, yeah, my favorite verse, I think, for this subject is Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Uh, and John writes, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw all the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up its dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So it says that each deed will be judged on that day according to what is written, that what that person had done in their life that those things will be brought out and there will be a separation from God. There will be this lake of fire of this complete separation from God that will happen at that time. Mm-hmm. There will and be a judgment. Books and book of life. So the book of life just have one. And the books means each person has your uh, whole life account. That's mm-hmm. why it's a books. Mm-mm-mm. Um, And so what is this judgment based on? So there's a few different factors just uh, based on scripture that we see it's uh, judgment being based on. In Romans chapter 1, starting verse 18, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed in heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So first and foremost, actually, how did you honor God? How did you acknowledge God in your life? It is a major judgment factor. Did you reject him based on what you knew? Did you... Did you receive him? Did you, uh, when you had things to repent for, did you try to dismiss them in front of him? Did you try to deny his existence because of those things? Or did you really seek to become right with him? This acknowledging God, this having a worshipfulness about him, a, a fear of the Lord, like we talked about earlier. Actually, if we deny that fear based on, or we say we try to push off the fear of the Lord, that I think is very natural to any person. Um, based on um, sin, based on the just the moral code that we know, um, we're liable to that. We we push it off without good reasons. We're liable to um, our, the decision we made. So this is one thing: what we do about God, what we do about acknowledging Him. In Galatians five twenty one, it gives one of the, there's these several lists in Scripture that talk about what what things that will be judged. So I kind of read from some of these lists. Galatians five twenty one says. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5 says, For you may be sure of this, that anyone who is sexually immoral or impure, 
or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 9 says, Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for ungodly and sinners, the unholy and profane, those who strike their fathers and mothers and, and for murderers. But, um, but those lists are not exhaust, uh, exhausted lists. Mm. So uh, I think the principle is like Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned mm, that's right. and for short of the glory of God. So anything for short of the glory of God, God's righteousness, God's holiness, um, it's uh, sin will be judged. So that's, that's God's standard. Mm, that's right. So those just gave you like example. Yeah, they give you examples that stand out. Like in Revelation 21, it says in verse 8, But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So yeah, these lists, again, like you said, Anne, like these are not exhaustive lists. You know, it's for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But these give a good example of, hey, like, here are a bunch of the, the common sins that you really need to look out for. You know, I think that's Paul's point. Like, depending on the letter, a lot of times Paul will be a little bit more specific to the group that's there. In Revelation, you see, like, cowardly, faithless, detestable. Mm -hmm. Those things are pulled out because actually this is a big subject in Revelation where he talks about, the, the the believers are overcomers in this world, that we ought to, if we really have the trust and faith in Christ, we need to persevere through persecution, persevere through the things that are taking place, really, and show the godliness through those things. Hold on to the Holy Spirit. Um, and and that the, if we don't, those things will be judged. So a lot yeah, of times... Yeah, think about it, says, uh, as for the cowardly, we say, Cowley, uh, I just don't have enough uh, courage that will be judged. Well, because uh, think about like people like uh, DJ Bonhoeffer, like uh, stood to um, the cruelty of Nazi and to talk out loud that, hey, this is wrong. Massacre um, of all those Jews and, and conquer all those uh, countries and kill all those innocent people. It's wrong. Mm. But then think about other people uh in his same uh generation it's not like they all didn't know hey we all didn't know this is wrong most of people is because of the cowliness that's why this will also bring to judgment mm, because other people are giving the similar resources as a human being why he can do that you don't choose to do that in the same generation face the same situation Mm. And even more than that, it's it's the principle of really standing up against evil when there's evil. Uh, this is actually prevalent in the Old Testament law, too, that some of those are laid out in specific laws. You know, that moral principle that if there's evil in front of your face, you need to say something about it. You need to stand up to it in some way that there's this responsibility we have. It's not just kind of like we have the responsibility to do like to be good to our neighbors and to do this. But we also have the responsibility that when we see evil, we need to respond to it appropriately. We need to um, have the right reaction. We need to stand up against evil and those who bully and do cruelty to others. You know, this is a responsibility we have before the Lord. And if we don't do those things, those are things we need to repent of. Those are things we need to repent of and the blood of Jesus needs to cover 
Um, and those are things, it's just, those are things that will be judged by God one day. Mm -hmm. So like 10 commandments, it just lists out those big areas, like uh, really violate God. Like you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness false witness against your neighbor why uh why those things are so bad for example like a lie why lying is so uh so bad and and it's worse hell mm. yeah and it's there's this um all of those moral principles we can see how it, it's it's this violation of the other person it's whether it's a violation of that central relationship of us and God, which is kind of how the Ten Commandments are laid out. You know, if you're not honoring God, first you're, you're violating that relationship between you and God. You're out of not without having a good reason, you are rejecting God. You are taking kind of a stand against God. You know, if you're going against your father and mother, you're not honoring them. When you are, if you're a child in a home, you're supposed to show respect to your parents. You're supposed to learn from them. That's your position. That's what you're there to do so that you can really grow up well. If you instead choose to deny your parents, to be disobedient, to try to move away from them, try to get, you know, try to not be obedient to them and go your own way, you're violating the good relationship that you're given there. And that's something you're liable to. If you violate your relationship with your neighbors and the people around you by lying, you know, you don't honestly um, say the truth, then this has a this will be punished you know this is you violated that relationship you violated the the honesty that's required in, in good relationships um and then moses's example is something that we talk about this this every deed will be judged you know moses really points out how strong god's judgment is because moses throughout his life really was righteous in a lot of ways he led the people of Israel mm -hmm. out of Egypt. He And God said he is the most gentle, most humble person on this earth in his generation. That's right. Yeah, Moses was an incredible person in many ways, but God really shows that his judgment is not partial. Even someone does all of that, at the end of Moses' life, he was not allowed. God specifically said you are not allowed to go into the promised land. For years when I read uh, his story, uh, the, the end, story i just feel very sad i feel like it's unfair <laughs> so yeah and to us it seems unfair. it seems like oh he only did one kind of wicked thing he only did one thing you know he he was rash not even i feel like it's wicked it's just like oh he just didn't control his emotion well enough mm, you know that's how we can feel and then before god it's a big deal it's he is no longer the leader of the people it's really a rejection of him as the leader of the people that's the, the judgment that was set on him at that time. And so we see that God's judgment, is, it really looks at the whole person. It demands righteousness out of us. It demands us to really be holy the way he is holy. And if we're not, wherever, whatever area we break in that, we will be judged. It's just like the saying, like, if a cop pulls you over for running a red light, um, and then you try to give the defense, well, I, I made all the, all the other lights I went through were green, you know, I've and I stopped at all the other red lights. It's just I just wanted to run this one red light. He's not going to let you go. He's going to still give you however much that ticket is going to cost for that one because you did that wrong thing. And the God's judgment is like that. It's never it never ignores any 
of that because all those other things are the way that we just should be living. Actually, Moses' life, even though we look at it as a very good life, he was doing what a person ought to do. Those righteous lives are we are created to live like God. We are created to live in a way that's good, that cares for the things around us, that cares for the nature around us, cares for the people around us, and honors God properly. But So whenever we violate any of those things, it's not like, oh, I've been such a good person and then I broke this. It's you did what you were supposed to do all the other times and now you have done an evil thing. But God knows like the people he led, the people Moses led uh, were much worse. They violate God's law much, much more. They were rebellious. That's right. And then it's impossible for God to overlook that. If God didn't overlook Moses, that little... We think it's that little um, uh, angry words, you know. Mm, yeah. So I want to move on to not only is God's judgment every deed and every person, every nation, every thought um, is also fair. So um, there's a lot of verses on God not being partial, um, which I can list in the references like Job 34:19, Acts 10:34, Galatians 2:6, um, and then He commands people to not be partial. This is throughout the law. James also talks about this in James 2.9. One big central verse I think that's good that describes this is uh, Leviticus 19.15. He says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. And this is a description of God's like standard, and he's giving it to the Jewish people and saying this is how you should judge. You shall no and no injustice in your judgment. You can't be partial depending on the person at all. You need to really look at what is their intent when they did that thing and what did they do. And then you are to judge them, even your neighbor, fairly. Um, in James 3.1, he says, not many of you should, there's this other principle of that we are judged according to what we know, that God will God takes into account what a person knows. James says that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In John 9.41, Jesus says to the Pharisees, If you were blind, then you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. So there's this idea of that the more you know, if you have scripture available to you, if you are a teacher, if you are someone who is responsible in front of God, actually your judgment will be more strict because you know what God's commandments are you know what you should repent of and you claim you know and you teach others so just like us it, it applies to us too if we say anything wrong through this podcast and someone believe a wrong thing we have the responsibility mm. if we know like if we recall all the um 21 episodes if we um uh sincerely god showed us like some part hey you teach is wrong we would rather repent in front of God, and then we would um, make a make an episode to correct that mistake. It's better than we swallow, uh, swallow um, ignore this, and just because of our pride, we just like, hey, we no problem, just right. But then um, uh, it, it's a very fearful thing if people do that. I know, I know, um, uh, teachers and pastors can have the tendency to do that and that's really dangerous because all the people you if if even partially wrong message and you you preach how how many people you preached that 
you all has a share in that. You influence people to think in a wrong way,、mm. understand Bible in a wrong way. That's right. Yeah, that's a, a big deal. It's a heavy thing. You know, Jesus said that if anyone misleads one of the little ones, that they, it's better for them to have a stone tied around their leg and be thrown into the river. I mean, that's intense picture. That's the picture of the yeah the the kind of fear we should have as teachers and us as well. Like Anne said, like when we think about what we're teaching and we think about really making sure that it's in line with what all of Scripture says, we need to be really serious about it. And when people make objections too, I think that's another big point. If people make objections and arguments to us, we want to actually be receptive of that. A good Christian ministry, I think, you really have to be receptive of questions. You have to be receptive of People who like make objections or ask questions about those things, and to when the heart is right in those things, to really give an answer, to really think about it, to help that person see the the truth, because we'll, we're liable if what we're teaching is not really according to the truth.、Um, on the topic of the fairness of God's judgment, is that God judges the purposes or the intent of the heart. First Corinthians four five says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Uh, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation from God. So it, it says also, God knows why you did what you did. That God isn't going to not look at your intention. But what we know from Romans three twenty three is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we know that down to our intent, down to why we did something, and God will look at it to that level. And we'll judge based on those things.、Um, now,、um, for the last part, I want to talk about this. Talk a little bit about sanctification, but mainly talking about the the judgment of believers. Actually, the Bible says a lot about、um, some factors that, as believers, we really ought to have this like godly fear of what. The standard God is holding us to, and and what He says that He will judge us according to.、Um, so, starting in John twelve verses twenty four and twenty five, Jesus says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever, sorry, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life." First、um, Corinthians nine twenty seven says, "But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified." And Romans eight thirteen says, "For if you live according to the flesh, you will die; but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live."、Um, and so the the principle that we see here is this principle that if we are not living in the way Jesus calls us to. There's this difference of what life is really walking in, if walking in the way that Jesus calls us to. So whoever hates his life in this world, that is the one who will keep it for eternal life. That's the one who will continue to go on. That this, that as Christians, we're responsible for living in that way. We're responsible for if we are teaching the truth, which we all as Christians should be, that we're not disqualifying ourselves. It means that. It's not just about what we say, but it's also about what we do. You know, a big example that we mentioned on the Facebook was with Ravi Zacharias's ministry, a ministry that was really beloved to a lot of people. But、um, some of the things that seem to be coming out and are investigated and are more and more being revealed about 
the way he potentially treated women and some sexual things that were done that were really not good. Um, it's, it, it's, it's really a strikes at the heart of his ministry. Um, and those are things God will judge. We can disqualify ourselves from the very thing that we're teaching others to, to come into, this relationship with Jesus. We can disqualify ourselves if we really don't live as well as preach, if we don't pursue a life more and more like Christ as well as talk about it. We can be liable to the judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's why the discipleship and sanctification is very important that we cannot just focus on, hey, writing books and teaching others and um, go to do this talk, that talk. Um, the the initial discipleship, um, uh, several years, those things important and then something going on, like just like for us, like um, each year we try to uh, write out our own growth plan and we hold each other accountable. Uh, it's very important because we know like um, actually many Christian leaders, they don't have a initially they don't have a pretty complete discipleship. Like n- nobody consistently discipled them. Mm. Um, I cannot say everyone, but then uh, maybe half or majority. It's a lot. If anybody of you, you have any data um, uh, you can share, uh, <laughs> but just uh according to our, our experience and also uh like the data we shared before from our discipleship uh this what uh discipleship.org that it talks about like less than five percent of the churches are disciple making churches um so you just just you can see like 95 percent is the majority mm, that's right yeah and and we're responsible for our growth in Christ. We're responsible. Sanctification is not something that's automatic. It's something that you can be disqual- disqualified for not doing. You know, like it's it's something we need to take seriously. And the fear in the Christian life is really going on with that. Some verses that talk specifically about judgment of those who have been in the faith or are in the faith. Um, like our in Revelation chapter two and three is a big area for this. And so Jesus is talking to the churches in these chapters. He says, but this I have against you, um, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you had fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And then he says to another church, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by will not be hurt by the second death. Um, Then to another church, he says, "Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth." He who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give to him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Revelations chapter 3, he says, uh, I know your works and you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. And so this is also what Jesus gave in his um, uh, when he was talking about hell, and he said that one day that he will come back like a thief in the night. 
and that people who are not really walking in the right way will be surprised by that. And he says this to a church here, that if you don't repent, if you don't turn back to me from this path that you've gotten yourself on, then you will be judged, that you will, I will come to you, and I won't come to you in a way that is good, that I will come to you in a way like a thief, suddenly, and it will be a surprise to you, and it won't be a good surprise. It, you know, when a thief comes, it's not a good thing. And so this is the kind of healthy fear that w- we should have, that Jesus really spends a lot of his ministry um, in the Gospels talking to believers about the dangers of hell, about the dangers of um, really not walking with him. Um, so it's um, There's a pastor, David Paulson, he said, actually, the the sermons that Jesus gives about hell are actually 90% are for believers. They're for people who, um, they're for their, their talks to the disciples or talks to people about continue to walk with me, you know, come to the feast, but come to the feast in the right clothing. You know, the, the, there are people who are in the family of God who need to be careful because they're liable to judgment. Yeah, the the book is called The Road to Hell by David Pawson. Um, also, he has lots of um, uh, YouTube, talk, YouTube talks, recorded uh, sermon, uh, like, for example, Believers in Hell, uh, Life After Death. Um, yeah, Life, Life After Death is the series for that. So, recommend. Mm, yeah, two, two verses that are pretty key and that you, that, are usually associated with this topic is in Luke 6, verses 46 and 47, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Everyone comes to me and hears my word and does them. I will, I will show you what he's like. So he says, you know, why do you come, come to me and say, call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And then a similar verse in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know that title, you workers of lawlessness, that he's saying to people who casted out demons in his name, who prophesied in his name and did mighty works. You know, had these signs of the Holy Spirit in a lot of ways but they didn't really know him. They didn't really do what his father said. They didn't live lives that were pursuing to be like Christ. And on the day they met Jesus, he said, I never knew you depart from me. That ought to be a fearful thing for us in testing ourselves, as Paul says, if we're in the faith, testing ourselves, if we really have this relationship with God, if we're really, if we're really walking in a way that is pursuing Jesus, that is, that is living in the way that he calls us to. This ought to be a fear that we have mm-hmm. until we completely walk in the way um, that Jesus walked. We ought to always have this this fear that is along with our love and our longing for Jesus, that we have a, a healthy fear that God's judgment is serious and God really looks at our deeds and our intent. He really looks at where what our priorities are. He really looks at what we're doing and he will judge according to those things. So towards the end of the talk, um, what do you think are the several main things you want people to catch? Yeah, so I, we want, I really want people to catch first that judgment is not something, although 
you can see from the talk, it's a serious thing, but then it is not just a gloomy talk, like we said. Actually, it's central. Even the non-believer, even people who have no association with Christianity, this the topic of judgment and fairness and rightness and righteousness winning out in the end is very important. It's vital to our hope. And so if we don't talk about judgment, if we don't talk about the thing itself, then and we don't understand the thing itself, as even part of the gospel that we preach, then we're neglecting some central key aspect that really is God means for people to understand. And he means to, in a way, it's a kind of fuel too that, that can really keep us going, keep us moving forward towards righteousness is this fear of the Lord. You know, really having an acknowledgement that God is powerful and God is very, very good. And God is going to judge each person according to your deeds. Each deed you do ought to go through a fear filter in a way. You know, is this a thing that God is going to judge me for this thing? And is this a thing that I should be doing as a believer? Is this a thing that Christ would do? And it isn't just kind of a, a happy-go-lucky WWJD kind of thing. It's a, a real, is this something that on that day that God would judge? I ought to think, we ought to be thinking about that. Is this social media post, even if no one here knows it's me, is this something that's going to be judged? Is this action that I'm taking, this website I'm clicking on even, going to be something that I want to face God with on the judgment day? Um, so that's one aspect. Um, the other thing is that God's judgment is complete. God will judge every deed, every action. He'll judge every nation. He'll judge the decisions nations made. He'll judge the, the citizens of those nations too. And so we ought to be good citizens. And we ought to be good citizens in the sense of really promoting what's good and also um, being able to speak up when there's evil happening. And so we ought to find a way, a godly way of doing that. Um, and then Every deed, every action, God judges fairly and completely all the way to the purposes of people's hearts. He isn't partial. He doesn't judge according. He doesn't let people off, but he also views a person's whole situation before he judges. He views what we know. So God is fair. God judges every person, every deed, everything, and God will judge us as believers. And I think that's the really the three main points, that God will judge fairly, completely, and as believers, we shouldn't just let ourselves off from fear because we have the blood of Jesus because Jesus Christ has died for us. We really need to continually put the sins and things we do that are wrong under that, his blood, repent from them, and really turn and continually live a life that's always walking towards him, that's always running towards him. Um, and really, that's a full life like we talked about, like this this connection of death and, and, and sin it's, it's a real thing. Really, the more you live in obedience to Christ, the more lively you are, the more it's there's a, something really motivating mm -hmm. and life giving about living with Jesus every day and every action. It, um, when we do it in a way that isn't legalistic, we do it in a way that really pursues knowing him, that pursues loving him, that pursues being like him. Um, there's something life giving about that. And so mm -hmm. I, I think those are the main points. And what if someone asks, like, hey, like, uh, this is my first time here about this topic. I want to study more about um, this topic. Uh, what, what are your suggestions? Um, I think uh, we, when we talked about the David Pawson resources, I think he has some of the best resources on judgment and those kind of things. Um, I think uh, as far as evangelism, 
this aspect we think i think ray comfort living waters does a good job in bringing in the 10 commandments into um, judgment and even if you don't particularly like that specific Shoot. method then um just learning from the way he uses really the fear and the um internal sense of righteousness in people to lead people to the gospel i think is very important to have that as part of how we share the gospel truth Mm-hmm. Again, at last, something about our uh, ministry is we try to do more videos. So we do start um, from time to time. Uh, still, we cannot um, make sure it's every week, but we do upload on YouTube. Uh, we make it the same name, Revival in Jesus Way. Uh, so far, we only have three videos, um, but it's a good start. Um, mm. It's a, a baby step. So we we do want to pursue more like video, audio, and blog, um, and we will try to make changes to the website, uh, revivalinjesusway.com. So all those resources you can find from one place. Um, so yeah, so if you um, like our channel, please subscribe and also visit our website. Uh, we also have some Chinese articles there that I haven't think through where I should uh, put them yet, how to design that, because um, we we enter just we just enter into so many new um, uh, areas, like uh, web design, those graphic design, how to write well, how to connect, how to make videos, just mm. all types of things. That's exciting. Uh, so it's exciting and also overwhel- overwhelming can be sometimes. And um, thank God for gave us the resources and skill to learn. Mm. And so that's yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, please subscribe if you like it. And again, the website is revivalinjesusway.com. That's the best place to go for updates as well as the Facebook page, Revival in Jesus Way on Facebook. Thank that's you. That's right. Okay.